it's Pete Bryce and Pete Bryce Extra. Lee Tracy has got an awful lot in common with me, sadly. Have a listen to Lee Tracy. Find out what it was like to be a gay man many years ago and how painful and what punishment he had to endure. Here on Pete Price Extra, Lee Tracy. Have a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, you know on this programme we always have unusual interviews. We found an unusual book about an unusual subject. The book is called What Will the Neighbours Say? And it's Lee Tracy. Hello, Lee. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm well, my friend. I'm well. So, give us a potted history of who you are first. Well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you my age, but I'm older than you. <laughs> you don't sound it. You sound about the same. So that's good. I was born in London's East End, and uh, I've spent the last nearly 60 years doing stand-up and appearing in, appearing in drag as well, but mostly stand-up. Now, of course, I'm a stand-up comic and broadcaster of 50 years. Wow, that's great. So we've got a lot in common. So we, we both know what it's like to die. We oh, both yes. know, I do panto, we both know what it's like to get nipple rash. So we've been through the ropes. We certainly have. <laughs> now, the book, a very unusual book. First of all, what made you write it? Well, I did the thing for um, for Simon uh, Napier Bell, the, the film 50 Years Legal. Right. With Elton John and uh, a whole cast of yeah. people. Yeah, uh, celebrating fifty years since uh, uh, the gay laws were yeah. were changed, and people got in touch with me after my bit, and said, you know, was what I was saying true? And I said, well, yes. Well, tell us more. So I wrote the book. Now, was it a hard book to write, or was it cathartic? Hard. Uh, it was two actually, because once I'd never told this story, and once I actually got it on paper and got it out, I did feel uh, a sense of, of relief, like yeah. a big weight had been taken from my shoulders. Now, tell us the story. Well, it began when I was about uh, 15, 16, and my mother found a letter that I'd written to a boy that I worked with. Uh, I never posted these letters, just because I didn't know how he felt, and I'm sure he didn't feel the same way as I did. And my mother found it and uh, threw me out. And her last words were to me were, what will the neighbours say? And there wasn't a question in those days. This is in 1966, 65. And uh, in those days, there was no such thing as, you know, um, awareness of being gay. It was against the law for a start. Uh, you could get in prison for it. And indeed, lots and lots of people, guys, did go to prison uh, just for being gay. It was uh, a banned topic. You didn't talk about it. Even in the Sunday papers, it was referred to as um, the secret life, the twilight world uh, of these men. And I never dreamed that I was any different to anybody else. Except, though I'd had girlfriends... When I say girlfriends, schoolgirl friends, but nothing serious. I never, never did anything. Took them to dances, perhaps, but that was about it. Not even take them, meet them there, save the bus fare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that's where it started from. Yes. So then a, you were fighting it. I was fighting it uh, all the time because I I, I went to work. Uh, 
first of all was uh, my mother insisted I went to work as um, a, in the post office, which I hated. And um, I, I left there and went to work for an insurance company. I won't mention the name. And uh, in in the city. And that's where I met Alf. This is the first guy that, uh, that I ever fell in love with. The first person that I ever fell in love with. And sad to say, I got a text just last week to say that he died on June the 6th. And even after all these years, I felt absolutely bereft. I can't explain how I felt. I cried for two days. But um, I never told him. We were great mates. I moved to live near him and his family. We go to work together. We come home together. We go drinking together. We get up and sing in the pubs together. It was fantastic. I never thought it would end. But because it did have to end, because he was straight, yeah. and um, and where do you do? You, you you can't you can't wish something on yeah. people. Now tell me, were you offered treatment or did you want treatment? I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know you could get treatment. The only treatment, I mean, I I actually to cut this story short, I actually joined the army at one stage, trying to make things. If I was mixing with with other troops, I would act more like a man and, and get these thoughts from my brain. But, of course, that didn't work. And uh, it tells you in the book what happened. But I, I, I was discharged, dishonorably discharged from the army. And eventually, after wandering around uh, aimlessly, I suppose, really, I found myself in, uh, in Leeds. Um, and I couldn't get a job. Uh, my uh, this sounds really crazy today, but even sounding like a southerner in those days was uh, <laughs> was to put people off. Right. Uh, I ended up getting a job as a potman, which didn't pay enough, even for bed and breakfast. So I was sleeping rough, washing in in public toilets, and then going to work. This lasted for I think about only about ten days, until someone. Was uh, a customer. It was very busy, and I, I used to actually, uh, because I had a float, I used to order an extra drink and slip it in myself on myself. Mm. I know that was cheeky, but I used to do this. And this, I went to this customer one day, a big crowd of people, and I'd got the order wrong. I'd missed a drink for him off, and he called me uh, a sudden. I won't say yeah, the yeah, words, yeah. but I was horrified. Uh, and I just threw the lot at him, tray, glasses, mm. got my bag, got my coat, and walked out. And then, finding myself miles from anywhere, that night is in the middle of winter. I couldn't stand anymore, and I stopped on a, on a lane, a country lane, and slashed my wrists. Uh, fortunately for me, I suppose, because it was so cold, the blood froze. The police found me, and uh, I was then sectioned and put into St James's Hospital. And this is all because you were gay. Yeah. Right. When yes. you were in the hospital, were you offered aversion therapy, or did you have no. to have it? No, they just gave it to me. Right. I'm going to ask you blatantly, Lee, to tell me what happened, and there's a reason for me to ask you this. So, what well, happened? They, they put me in a padded cell. Uh, and I stress that he was padded. 
and uh, I was in the bed, and a, a nurse walked in, pushing a tray full of alcoholic drinks, beer, uh, not beer, whiskey, vodka, gin, the lot. And I thought it's strange. Next to my bed was was a, a tape recorder, and this nurse or doctor, whatever, said to me, uh, "What's your favourite tipple?" Well, I didn't have one really, so I said, "Oh, whiskey." So he poured me this half a tumbler of whiskey. I said, "Drink it down," and I I drank it, and then he gave me an injection, and then he turned on the tape recorder next to my bed. And the tape recorder, the voice on the tape recorder was telling me how disgusting and vile and evil I was for my practices of being gay, uh, homosexual, they said, queer, all sorts of things. And then the uh, injection reacted against the alcohol and I was violently ill, uh, being vomiting all over the place. And I had that every few hours for three days and three nights. Uh, coming in, making me drink this drink, the whiskey, injecting me, playing the tape recorder, until in the end I was screaming that I was cured, I'm cured, I'm cured. And eventually they let me out. I had no food or water for those three days or three nights, just this whiskey and the injection. I was covered in filth, my own filth. It was just appalling. How did you cope after all that had happened? Well, the, the the wards were weren't mixed, but we used to meet in the occupational therapy. Uh, we could meet the other patients, the women. But walking down to the to the occupational therapy, you would see these poor souls, the men, walking up and down, up and down. These guys had had electric shock treatment and fried their brains. They didn't know what day it was. But in the occupational therapy uh, department, uh, women used to meet there, and the guy in the next bed to me and I would go down and meet the girls. And eventually, because I wanted to be cured, I wanted to get out. Um, I was talking to one woman who was nearly 20 years older than me, whose husband had knocked her about. She's a very nice woman who I later left with and had my very first sexual experience with with a woman and although I I can't tell you how much I loathed it but I had to try and do it and prove to me myself and the world that I was normal uh, what Lee doesn't know and you're the first person that I have spoken to Lee I had aversion therapy really I didn't tell you on purpose when I knew about the book. Everything you've just described, the letter found by your mother, everything you've just described, the drink, the tape recorder, everything. And I was also involved in programmes last year for the 50 years uh, of being legal. I was in Against the Law, the documentary, uh, drama. I had a programme done about me called uh, Dark Secrets. I was the first person... Um, that I thought publicly went public years ago and I have never, ever, ever spoken to anybody about it uh, who's had it. Everybody knows I've had it, but I purposely didn't want to tell you. You have knocked me physically sick and taken me back, right back to where it happened to me 
when I was in a mental institute. They put me, I volunteered, but they put me in a mental institute and it's in my book as well. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to do the interview. The book is, your book is a great read, um, but also a tragic read. Um, and are you shocked? I am shocked. I am, but, I, but at the same time, Pete, I, I'm in, in, a, in, a, in a way I'm pleased because part of, part of writing the book was not only to give myself um, uh, relief, if yeah, you like, yeah. was there are thousands of other people in this country, men in the world, men and women, who are now still petrified oh, yes. to come out yeah. and say what they are. Yeah. Some are married, some are not, some are never been married. But I just hope that by reading the book, they get a sense of what people like I and you now went through in yeah. order to live yeah. your life. Yeah. And we were just like anybody else. We were just slightly different over our sexual... That's the only difference. Yeah. And like you, I slept with women. To, I, everything, everything you said, I just, I cannot tell you... And the book, it, the book's out now, isn't it, for sale? Yes. How can people get it? Uh, if they go to Lee Tracy Books on Amazon, and they can order it on there. No. Did you ever make friends with your mother again? I never knew they were dead. I, I, I didn't know. Um, I, years and years and years later, I had a terrible dream that my mother was asking for me. And I woke up and said to my partner, my then partner, he said, what's the matter? I said, I've had this terrible dream about my mum. She, she wants me. I, he said, well, for God's sake, after all this time, phone her. And I remember the phone number, still remember today. Yeah. And I dialed it, and it was unobtainable. So I phoned an aunt, my aunt. Bless her, she always stood by me, although she didn't know what I was. But when she found out, she always stood by me. I phoned her and said to her, please don't hang up, aunt. I said, I, I've had a dream about my mum. She's Obviously, wants, she's ill or she wants to speak to me. And she said, I, I'm sorry to tell you, love, your mother died uh, six years ago. I said, oh, will you tell my dad? I can't get through. Will you tell my dad? Give him a message that I'll, I'll come and see him soon. And she said he died three years ago. How did you feel when you heard that? Empty. Absolutely empty. Uh, I, I went to where um, my aunt said they were buried, or not buried, they were cremated, and they gave me a card there with a description how to get to the, the point, but I never did find it. I went there three times in all over the years, trying to find where they lay. My twin sister, I would have thought, would have put a, uh, a stone or something, but there was nothing. So I just left the flowers by a tree. Each time. What do you want people to take from this book? Courage. This courage, come out. Don't live like I did in the shadows. I mean, although I stood up on the stage for over 50 years telling gags and making people laugh, um, you know, that hides, that hides what was inside me. Don't do that anymore. If, if you read the book, please... Please, please, take a leaf out of that book and be brave. And if people don't want to speak to you, well, it's their loss. No. Certainly not yours. The amazing thing is, Lee, people like you and me, 
I'm 72 year older than me, you just said. People like you and me have paved the way for everybody in the gay world now. And sometimes I get quite cross when young people don't realise what we went through to give them what they've got today. I, I, get, I get exactly the same feeling. I get exactly the same feeling. And you know what really, really... I shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to say it, is the amount of bed-hopping the young guys do these days. They sleep with a different person every night. And it's too easy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's almost... I just think it's awful. Mm. You know, I, 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 my, my one partner eventually for 19 years and another one for nine years. I've got none at all now. I don't understand why they're so free and easy with their bodies. Yeah. I, I find it, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I just find it... Um... Lee, what was the lowest point, uh, apart from the fact, well, your mother threw you out and you tried to commit suicide? What was the lowest point within your sexual life? Well, in it, my, in the lowest point in my sexual life was, I actually, with the, 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 the woman that I met, I, told you before about meeting in the hospital, I eventually married her. We, I, we went to London, and I knew all the time, you see, I knew all the time that I, what I was, but I wouldn't, I, I couldn't let it in case people yeah. shunned me. And I, I, I was, I, one, one night I, I made some excuse about going to go to work. I was working on, for London Transport on the Underground, and I went to Soho, and I just to get away from everything. And I was walking around Soho Square, and I got arrested by two plainclothes police who said I was importuning, which I wasn't. Not I, I never thought about it, uh, and I didn't even know what the word meant when they first told me. And I, uh, they, they were going to charge me, and uh, I came back home, and I told her. And I said that about going to court, and my, my wife was at that part was, was a bit unstable. She'd had a terrible time herself. We got drunk. We put every penny we had into the gas meter and lay down in front of the gas fire. Uh, fortunately, uh, it ran out of money before it did any damage. Mm. Um, did did spot. did you go to court? Not on that occasion, no, they dropped it. Right, right. I did it on another occasion. I was working in a, in a, in a club in Charing Cross Road in London, and uh, I came out of the club, and my, my car was, you could park in London in those days. My car was parked at the side of the road, and I was dragged up, and I got arrested for <laughs> insulting people's morals. Wow. And taken to... Bow Street Magistrates Court the next morning, still in the, still in costume, with a beard coming through the makeup, and got fined five guineas. Lee, it's an incredible book. Tell everybody what it's called again. What will the neighbours say? And where can they buy it, Lee? You go to Lee Tracy Books on Amazon, and you can buy it from Amazon. Lee, I could talk to you forever, but we haven't got time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, Peter, and thank you for telling me your story because, believe it or not, that does help me.